My name is Jeremiah Sinclair. I'm currently at a loss for words. Pay me. Pay me. I have just completed a task for Mark Treadwell, a client whom I have previously failed. To make amends for my failure, he kidnapped my family. If I wanted to see them again, I would have to complete four jobs for him. Failure to complete the jobs will lead to a loss in the family. After successfully finishing the first objective, my phone rang and my wife was on it for just a second. Treadwell was toying with me. As a reward for work completed, he allowed me a moment of sunlight, just a sliver of a ray. And it worked. I ached for my wife all over again, felt the loss of her resonate from my head to my soul. In my line of business, it's always important to avoid collateral damages, to never allow innocence to be involved. Treadwell knew all the rules and ethics of my job. He just sidestepped them. He didn't care about my feelings or my pain. He cared about his bottom line, and the bottom line was that he needed me to complete his task, and I was completely uninterested in helping him. But he had my family, and now I had no choice. I'm an assassin, and I take my job very seriously. I've always strived for perfection in my work, leaving no clue that I was there, and if needed, no clue that my target was there either. However, I had rushed through a job for Treadwell, and in doing so, I failed to ensure that the data that he needed was correct. As a result, he was under fire from his company to recoup the money that I had lost him, and he came to me, not for help, but more for recompense. He took my family as collateral. I had three more jobs that I needed to complete, and then I would get my family back. Or at least I guessed that I would get my family back. What I knew was that one way or another, when these next three jobs were finished, so was Treadwell. I closed my eyes and tried to go back to sleep. The pleasure of simply drifting into unconsciousness had never come easily for me. I constantly had to worry about my location and whether it was a good time to rest, and as such, I tended to cap nap more than anything else. The only time that I used to get a good rest was when I was at home in bed with my wife. But even my home was no longer a haven of peace for me. As I rolled in bed, I wondered what my kids were resting on, if they had been fed, sleep was no longer an option. I swear, man, you are mopey as shit today. What you need to do is go out and watch a movie or something. Relax. Enjoy your day. A movie. What movie do you want me to see, man? I don't know. I just know that a movie would get you good right now. It would give you the opportunity to get away from this. This... Whatever this is you call it, I call it drama.
Let me make sure I heard you right. My family gets kidnapped. And you refer to it as drama? Yeah, man. Let's just be honest for one moment. Really honest. Okay. I'm gonna keep it real. Okay. Really real. Solace. You? You an asshole. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I ain't stutter. You an asshole. You're so focused on your job and you hide behind your little name changes, but you're a killer. You kill people, sin. You can sit there and justify it to yourself. I wait for calls from my connect. I don't choose my targets. I call my targets my guests. <laughs> justify it all you want, Jeremiah, but here's the bottom line. You are a killer. If the police knew about you, they would hunt you down, put you on trial, and kill you just as easily and as emotionlessly as you kill others. I have a job. If no one else can do it. Then they come to you. Yeah, man. I know this slogan. I've heard it for the past 14 years. But look, man. You know better than the people you kill. Who gave you the right to be the one to decide people's fate? I don't decide. I do what my clients pay me to do. Period. And you're wrong when you say that I'm no better than the people I kill. They are bad people who have done bad things to good people, and... How do you know? I mean, really, how do you know the client is telling you the truth? All you get is a dossier and money. Man, you ain't no better than a hooker. You are a whore of death. Fuck you, Solace. Look, man, I love you. I always will. But your mind is full of shit. You've deluded yourself into thinking only about the corporation and they needs. Dude, how many lives have you ruined? Not counting your own. I mean, let's be serious here. You weren't serious before? You don't know your kids. You think you know them, but you don't. They don't know you. Because believe me, if they knew the real you, you We'll be up in a nightmares. Not a damn boogity man. Trust and believe that. And your wife, up until a few weeks ago, she thought you did. What the hell did you tell her you did anyway? I told her that I was the IT expert of a large firm that often needed me to travel to rebuild and secure systems. Right. And meanwhile, you were off in other countries murking some bitches right and left. And you see nothing wrong with that? Dude, if your wife still wants to be with you after all this is done, she is one dumbass woman. She loves me. She loves the myth. She loves the legend and the lies that you built for her. You are not a real person, Sin. You were a fallacy. You were a figment of an over-imaginative mind. Period. I guarantee you that you're wanted in over 22 countries. You have people wishing for your death every day. You separated families, ruined lives, and you can no longer leave your house wondering this the last time that you'll see your family. And your wife thought you were an IT expert? <laughs>
when they called home to say that you were dead and they thought you lived here because all that was left of you was your teeth, did you hope that she would think you died in a horrible Windows 7 accident? You ain't honest with anyone at all. I'm honest with myself. I've never said that what I do is a good thing, but it's my thing. I'm good at it. So are sociopaths. So are psychopaths. What's between you and a serial killer? I would kill them. And they would do the same to you, given the circumstances. And you said you only killed the lowest of the low. What the hell, man? If you only killed the lowest of the low, Leonard Russell would still be alive. Lance Devereaux would still be alive. You are a monster, man. You have deep-seated issues from when we were fucking kids, man. Be honest. When I died, did you want to kill that cop? I thought about it. The blood on the wall. The lights. The detached cop who obviously didn't care. Who kept calling solace. The boy. My blood boiled just thinking about it. See? You are not a stable person, Jeremiah. A stable person wouldn't be carrying his best friend around with him like a sounding board. Only you do that. You say that you love your family? You say that you want your kids to live a normal life? Ain't nothing normal about them. As long as they're around your monstrous ass, they're going to be living a very eventful life. And you will always be looking over your shoulder and theirs too. Do you think that's the life for any child? Would you have wanted that life? I'm pretty sure that any childhood would have been better than the one that I had. Wanna bet? The phone rang. I thought about what Silas had just told me. And for a moment, I wished that I could just let it continue to ring. But this is the life that I lead. Deciding to suddenly avoid my calls, my fate, would only bring pain to those that I loved. Although Silas had told me that I was living a lie, my children didn't know that. Their truth was that I was a good father, and I would protect them no matter what. It is never wise not to answer this phone, Mr. Sinclair. I'm going to assume that you are washing the dishes with loud music on and couldn't hear it. Or maybe you were in the restroom and left the phone on the bedroom dresser. Either way, if it happens again, this becomes a much different video. Here is the intel for the next item that we need. Act fast. I figure that to your little ones, each hour feels like a second. Did you know that your youngest is scared of the dark? I guess his mom consoles him each night and sings a song. But I don't sing and I don't give a damn. So he cried himself to sleep. Heartstring pulling, I guess. Don't fail. I stared at the phone for a moment, willing Clements to call back. Instead of a message, I wished to speak with him directly and advise him that threatening me through my children would only work for so long. As I continued to complete their objectives, my children would get closer and closer to being home. And he would be closer to death. See? There you go again on that killer shit. 
Dude, you need some Valium. I'm not talking to you right now, Solace. That's the cool thing about being in your head, Sin. I don't give a fuck. I took a look at the intel that Clements had given me. Dylan Gillette, metallurgist from Seattle, Washington. Lived alone. Other than location, no other information was given. Let's go. Shut up. That's my line. Let's go. I ignored Solace and packed my bag. I don't know why I always unpack, because I'm never at home. Why would I be? At this point, my house was a reminder of failures past in both my professional and personal lives. We drove to the airport in silence. I was thankful that Solace had decided to give me some time to myself. I decided to take that opportunity to think about my life and how I viewed it and the lives of others. We boarded the plane and I slept during the flight. It was the first time in a long while that I had the opportunity to sleep without wondering if anyone was watching me and I indulged with gusto. Welcome to Seattle. As we stepped off the plane, Silas was back to his chattering self. I guess I should have expected it, really. After all, it's hard to stay mad at yourself. Man, that trip took forever. Starbucks, here I come. I'm prepping my mouth for a mocha froca macchiato with some extra shots of cocaine. You mean cappuccino shots, right? What? You mean cappuccino shots, not cocaine shots. I don't know what coffee spot you talking about, but I see them folks walking into that store. Eyeballs roll back in their heads, shuffling like zombies and stuff. Shuffling into the door like... Shuffle up to the line and snap at each other till they reach the front of the line. Then, when they get up to the front of the line, they all like, ah, Cappuccino, ah, soy milk, caramel ah, cup, ah, cocaine shot. I laughed. I couldn't help myself. Then, after they get their mocha froki akalaka macaletto with all the trimmings, they take two sips. Just two. The first sip, they all like, And the second sip, they like, Hey John, Barbie, Ellis, how are you doing this morning? I'm ready to conquer the day. It's amazing, man. Three hours later, though, they right back at zombie mode. They gotta keep their high up. I ain't never seen anything like it, except except with cocaine highs and lows. Cappuccino. Whatever. We walked out of the airport and got into our rental car. As I started the vehicle, I looked through the rivulets of rain that were quickly coating it. In seconds, I couldn't see the airport anymore. What the what? It was awesome to see. Sure. The sky was always slate gray, but it was still relatively warm in Seattle. 
at least by Seattle standards. But in just four minutes, the world was soaked. It was like there was a giant water spigot that had just been turned. Dang! Can we please get sent to California next time? Why? Duh, because it never rains there. What? You know, it never rains in California. Excuse me, Southern California. It never rains in Southern... You you do realize you're quoting a Tony, Tony, Tony song, right? Are you sure? Yes, I'm absolutely positive. Well, that's fine with me. Shit, Raphael Sadiq ain't never lied. I entered the address into the GPS and we left. We drove to the university district where the University of Washington was nestled and parked behind a storefront that was ratty and nondescript. This is the spot? That's what it says on the GPS. Well, they have been known to be wrong, you know. It's, it's not an odd occurrence. Plus, the last two items we've gotten or attempted to get have been in some really high-tech, high-rise buildings. They just drip with opulence, you know? Opulence, huh? Well, looky who's been reading the book. Looky? Look at here, Stan. You ever use that phrase again, and I'll kick your ass from the inside out, okay? We got out of the car and walked up to the door. I knocked, but no one answered. Perhaps there's a back door. And what you doing knocking anyway? Don't know. Old habits die hard, I suppose. Pick the damn lock like you're supposed to. We walked around to the back of the building. If the front was ratty, then the back was devastation. Lumber and rusted nails lay all over the ground, making me have to pick my footing as I walked to the door. Garbage and other indescribable items of filth buttressed the area. The door was locked. The window above caked with dust. There was no seeing in the building at all. Are you sure somebody's here? Let's find out. I picked the lock with relative ease and began to push the door open. As I did, I faintly heard a click. I have made that click occur many times before in my life. It was the click of a hammer being cocked back. I dove out of the way as a hole was blasted in the door. We're closed. Dylan is a woman? I guess so. Didn't indicate as much as the intel. Maybe they didn't know. After all, who'd be able to see through all this crap? And if they did knock, they'd get their heads blown off. Well, one way or the other, I have to get in there. I have... Eight hours before I'm out of time. I crawled back to the door and said, I, I don't want to hurt you, ma'am, but I need to talk to you. About what? As you can tell by the decor, I'm not really up for guests right now. You can leave a message at the door and I'll get back to you during office hours. There are no office hours listed on the door. You notice that, huh? Bra fucking bow. Leave. You run out of time. 
and I don't need this shit. I took a concussion grenade out of my pack and pulled the pin. I counted to three and threw it into the hole that her humongous bullet had left. I turned around and closed my eyes. Three, two, one. Fuck! I ran into the room, taking advantage of her blinded state to tackle her and wrest the gun from her hand. Without the gun, she quickly became much less of a threat, and I tied her to a chair. Rope. A good psycho never leaves home without it. Don't start. Who are you talking to? You. Don't start trying to think of a way out of this. As I said, I'm not here to hurt you. Liar. But I need to get some information from you for a business partner that I work with. Well, damn. There are lots of other ways to get my attention. Phone? You don't have a number. Email? She funny. You shot at me. You broke in. True. I took a look at Dylan. Wispy, an average type for a female. She had the look of a woman who has seen the world shit on her quite a lot. She had her brunette hair pulled back in a tight ponytail. She wore a wife beater, a pair of fatigues, and a scowl that would cause a charging pit bull to reassess its goals. I also noticed the room was not an empty, dirty hovel as I originally expected, but a full-on magician's lair. At least, that's what it would be if creating bullets were akin to magic, which to me, they were. There were bullets of all types in that room, from flat points to wide cutters. I was stunned. All of these bullets in one place. It was beautiful. What is your job? I don't have one. What's your hobby? I work with nuns. Nuns? None of your business. You are not in a position to joke right now. Who said I was joking? I know why you're here. I know what you want. I know who you are. How the hell does she know you? You are just like all the other government types. I'm in here to get a piece of what I can do. What can you do? Who do you think made all these bullets? I'm impressed. It's a nice haul. I didn't buy them. I made them. I can make any type of bullet I wish. My latest one is an incendiary bullet. Those are unique. They can be found throughout the world at almost any armory. Yeah. Perhaps, but these ones can penetrate Kevlar vests, and they are traceless. Meaning? Meaning that if I walked up to you and shot you point blank in the head, not only would it leave a tunnel the size of the Great Northern Tunnel, the bullet would never be able to be traced back to my gun. I call it the icicle. You call an incendiary bullet icicle? Have you ever seen an icicle? I don't mean the little ones. I mean the big, huge, sharp ones that look like if they fell off a building, they would stab someone. Yes. Well, if you take a sharp icicle and you stab it through someone's heart and kill them, you can take the icicle and melt it, destroying all the evidence. 
This bitch is nutty. Same concept. So the bullet melts. Not in so many words, but it does change in a way that ensures it can't be traced to any weapon. So that was why Treadwell has sent me to this woman. Clearly, they had a use for this bullet. But if she was the only one who knew how to make it, do you have any notes for how you create these bullets? Why would I tell you that? Because it will save me from having to destroy your building in the process of hunting it down on my own. Good point. There's a filing cabinet behind you on the far left wall. Watch out for the trip mine. I think... I think I love her. I stepped over the tripwire, opened the file cabinet, and thumbed through the pages until I reached a page that held information for a bullet called Icicle. I was shocked that she had actually told the truth. Why do you want this stuff anyway? What use is it to you? Honestly, I have no clue. I had completed my objective, or at least I hoped I had. I secured the blueprint to one of the deadliest weapons that I had ever seen, and that had to be what Treadwell was looking for. I didn't know for sure, because he didn't indicate what exactly they were after. It was clear that they had been monitoring Dylan, but how closely? After all, I strongly doubted that they knew she was a woman in the first place. My code would not allow me to kill a woman. But Treadwell was aware of my code and well aware that I had broken it before. However, what he didn't know was that I had broken the code at the request of not only the client, but also the guest. She had asked to die. I just accommodated her. Dylan was a tremendous asset to have. The weaponry that she could possibly create would devastate the staunchest of defenses. But if I didn't kill her, would Treadwell hold it against me? I didn't wish to risk my children for bullets, but did I want to risk my morals? Oh, look who's suddenly rediscovering his scruples. Kudos to you, Sin. I couldn't kill her. I wasn't going to break my code. Not again. Not for this purpose. And never for Treadwell. Plus, she saved your life in a way. I mean, she didn't have to tell you about that tripwire. That's true as well. Well, that's nice and all. But what you gonna tell Treadwell? How are you gonna leave a trademark body if you decide to let her live? I don't have to tell him anything. He didn't ask, so I don't have to give. Dylan. What? My name is Jeremiah Sinclair. I'm an assassin. What the fuck? Are you here to kill me? If so, why didn't you just kill me when you first came in? Damn it. I knew I should have shot you. I'm not going to kill you. I want you to work for me. What? You said you don't have a job. So I'm offering you one. I need your services. How much do you pay? Enough. But you can't work here. Pack lightly. Leave enough to make it seem like you still stay here. And let me know when you have what you need. Dylan moved quickly, packing up documents, guns, and bullets. I'm ready. I need a contact number.
Dylan handed me a paper with the number scrawled on it. I checked to ensure that the number was still valid and tucked it into my bag. Stand back. I loaded my silence 45 with eight icicles. I took the rest of the icicle bullets and loaded them into my pack. I took a grenade and attached it to a mine. I pulled the pin, threw them both into the room, and told Dylan to run. The bullets and other weaponry left in the room ignited almost immediately. I texted Clements and let him know that I had secured the document. I drove to the airport and left it in a locker, along with 20 icicles. We boarded the plane and flew home. When we landed, I received a message from Clements. Good job with Dylan. It is clear that she never wanted to be found, so hopefully by the time someone noticed her shop and her death, she'll be decomposed beyond all reason. No matter, though. The bullets work like a charm. No one will trace this back to you or us. Your son will only have to worry about clowns in his dream tonight. Not Clement Scissorhands. That's what I told him my name was. And I told him why, too. Trust me. They want you to pick them up as soon as possible. Don't fail. I exhaled in relief. My intuition was correct in believing that that was the information that they wanted. My children were still safe. It's the waiting, man. The waiting period that's the most torturous. Well, at least this is over. As we walked down the concourse of the airport, there was a CNN breaking news report. Authorities are still baffled as to the whereabouts of 29-year-old Dylan Gillette. A statement sent from her mother said, We're hoping that she comes home soon. Her kids miss her and love her, and we all just want her back safe. Kids. Damn! I guess the good thing you didn't kill her. Kill her? Single simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.